You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 86, The Return of What the Dead. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 86 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hello, Brian. So, we have some streaming news. Uh, We have uh, some trailers that dropped this week, and we're going to have our first episode of What the Dead for this uh, season 10. Yeah. But before we get to that, someone's getting sued. (laughs) Okay. I've heard several things about people getting sued. The, the Prince estate is suing people, and so I don't know which suing we're talking about here. Well, this is a bit of old school. Do you remember the old X-Men uh, cartoon? Yes. Yeah, that yes. was my first introduction to the X-Men, yes. Right. Well, they're getting sued. Well, specifically Marvel, Disney, Fox, Apple, and Amazon, and other media companies that are connected to the show. They're all getting sued. So basically what this is about, this is over the theme song. Yeah, you remember that, right? Yeah, done by Ron Wasserman, who composed this theme. Well, there is a composer, and I love this name. His name is Zoltan Crisco. Crisco spelled not like Crisco, but K-R-I-S-K-O. He's a Hungarian composer. And his case is that the X-Men theme is a clear ripoff of his theme for a Hungarian show that's called Linda, which is about a kung fu policewoman. Hmm. And you can find uh, you can find this online. I listened to it, and I have to admit, it does sound pretty similar. Pretty spot on. Okay. So that, da, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's definitely a part of it. And he says that the theme would have been known to uh, TV executives in the United States because they had actually met in person, that these producers had met with Hungarian film industry producers back in the 1980s. And so they were more than well aware of of the stuff that he was doing and that they would have heard that song and could have ripped it off. Now, of course, the big question is, you know, the, the cartoon was out in 1997. Why is he suing now? Well, he's saying that... Um, he didn't know about this theme and hadn't heard about it until back in 2017. Mm-hmm. So he said it, that's why he's uh, suing now. Okay. Now, of course, a lot of the more cynical out there might say, well, maybe he's suing now because Disney owns Fox. He, they're putting this show on Disney+. Plus. There's a lot of money, obviously, that delicious, yummy, yummy Disney money that's out there that he might be wanting to get a crack of. But like I said, I've, I listened to the theme, and I can see where somebody would say, yeah, that sounds pretty familiar. Mm-hmm. So Now, it's not like Batman the Animated Series and their theme was inspired by Danny Elfman, where it's similar, but um, this was like uh, uh, yeah, it, Vanilla I, Ice and uh, David yeah. Bowie, kind of. Uh, yeah, okay. or, or Men at Work and uh, Land Down Under, and they got sued mm-hmm. for borrowing from a folk song and... Uh, course they wound up losing that case so i don't know how this is going to go like i said if i were in the courtroom i think honestly if they can if they could if zoltan crisco can prove that that wasserman would have had the ability to have heard that theme i I think it's pretty much open and shut because yeah it sounds pretty similar so Mm -hmm. 
But uh, it, as we hear more about it, we'll, def- we'll definitely talk about it here. I saw an article that uh, the new Masters of the Universe movie, when we were talking about the one Sony's putting out, mm-hmm. it may not go to theaters. Straight to streaming, or what's it doing? Well, yeah, that's there was an article in the Hollywood Reporter that uh, said that uh, it looked like uh, Sony was looking at uh, possibly selling it to Netflix mm-hmm. and not releasing it in theaters. And the reason for that, according to the article, was with Men in Black International tanking they're worried about this film and how well it'll do and so they're thinking instead of paying for a budget to market it and all that just you know put it on netflix and make some money that way which i don't know how how good a a policy that's going to be i mean this is a pretty solid ip and if it's a well-made movie i mean if you don't have faith in it what movies do you have faith in i mean besides spider-man i mean the thing about it is now that Spider-Man is in one aspect, kind of back with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, they've got one, you know, like I said, they got one movie uh, that Marvel can help them with, but, you know, that's certainly not going to be enough to keep their keep their studio going. They're going to have to develop new movies and new franchises and all of that, and they, again, if they're not willing to stand behind what could be a really, really good movie, I, I don't know. I, I I don't know where do, what are they what do they have faith in besides Spider Man? If this is true that uh, Netflix is going to have uh, have some more content, but uh, again, that's uh, well. Uh, so Netflix, you know, put out Shira. So right, the cartoon. Did they get the? Did Sony have the properties to Shira as well as as Masters of the Universe? Since there's the I, I got to wonder about how I'm. I kind of wonder how mm-hmm. that all split up. So. You know, if Sony did have the right, I mean, they may have given that, and that's probably why they're going through Netflix. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that's the thing. Uh, Sony right now, they're, I mean, obviously they're skittish. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you know, Netflix doesn't have, they do well with what they put out. Their original content, whatever, you know, whatever people go, people will go and see it. So the Masters of the Universe will get out there if they put it on, if they put it on Netflix. You know, it could become the massive cult hit that Stranger Things is. Uh, We don't know. Uh, So I don't really see that being a bad move. Either way, you know, I think it'd be fine. Yeah, I I mean, my only question about this is what films do they have enough faith in that they're going to put them out? I mean, I don't think that as a studio, it's going to be viable for them to just be a content provider for streaming services. I mean, they got to get some movies out there. And I mean, besides Spider-Man, I don't know if Sony's really excited about anything they're working on right now. And, I mean, if you go back and you look at the films they've put out, I mean, it wasn't even that Men in Black International didn't hit. It was a huge disappointment. I mean, it cost them lots and lots and lots of money. And that was, for the longest time, you know, a solid franchise for them. And so I think at this point, they're they're really doubting themselves as as a studio. And they need a hit. And they need a hit that doesn't, you know, like I said, it's not Spider-Man adjacent. And you keep hearing all these rumors, which, again, I don't even know if this is, uh, I doubt this is true, but that, you know, Disney's offering them Sony like $5 billion to get Spider-Man and and all that back. And I, I don't know if that's the truth or not. To be honest, I don't think that it is. And even if it were, I don't think that Sony would be willing even for $5 billion to sell that property off. Because, I mean, I'm looking at this and it's like, I don't know if they're really 
have any kind of confidence as a studio in anything that doesn't have Spider-Man involved. So if they don't have Spider-Man anymore, what are they going to do? It was like when 20th Century Fox went and let Shirley Temple go to MGM for The Wizard of Oz. Right. Because she was their, their moneymaker. Oh, yeah. I mean, back in the back in the day, you know, uh, stars were basically tied to studios. Mm-hmm. I mean, you worked they for one studio. They owned studi- you. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was, that was the system. And it wasn't until the defranchisement of, of studios... I want to say like in the mid fifties that any of that really started to change, you know, screen actors guild and yeah, but yeah, the, yeah, the whole defranchisement of, of the studio system and which also allowed movie theaters to show movies from different studios. I mean, it used to be if you're MGM's theater, you could only play MGM new movies. So that's, and once that opened up, of course, that allowed a lot of the independent and the, you know, the B-movies that we saw in the 50s and the 60s really to be able to come out. So, But we'll follow along with Sony and see how a lot of that goes, like I said, with Masters of the Universe. And, of course, I mean, news will be coming out as as we get closer to the, to the next Spider-Man movie. So between now and then, it's going to be a real question as to what's Sony going to do to turn things around for themselves how are they going to get their mojo back and i think that's for them right now that's the crucial thing since we're talking superheroes damon lindelof was uh in an interview he was talking about uh, the new watchman series for hbo Mm -hmm. and he uh he mentioned that this season of watchman is going to be a one season self-contained story in other words no cliffhanger the entire story that he's wanting to tell is going to be this one season and that's it now, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be any new seasons, although uh, Lindelof didn't say that there was going to be or that he uh, thought that there, were, that, you know, there was going to be. But this entire season is going to be a self-contained story. It could be anthology-like. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, that might be the, that might be the case. But so if we're only getting one season of it, we'll get pretty much everything that he wants to say about that. So it was, uh, it was an article he was uh, uh, in Deadline and he says it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that uh, there, there won't be any more Watchmen, but he's not working on a second. Uh, he's not working on a second season currently is what he was saying. But it's going to be nine episodes. They're going to be self-contained. And uh, by, when you get to the end of the season, you're, you're going to get, as he said, a feeling of completeness. And there won't be any hanging threads of storyline. Everything will be resolved by the end of the season. So, so that that's interesting. But. Then again, you know, in streaming, I mean, especially with Netflix, they don't like to take their shows very long. And so, like I said, apparently HBO, I guess they're uh, they're watching The Watchmen, and and that second season is really going to depend on how well this first one does. So, and I guess they haven't really made that much of a secret. So, will I'm, it be good enough to warrant people buying subscriptions? That's going to be, you know, the question. Well, that I mean, that's been the thing with with streaming. Com- Totally, is that streaming services and HBO, you know, uh, all of them have been at this, their theory on series has been, as long as we have one series that makes people, you know, buy our, our subscription service, then we're, we're set. Everybody who watches doesn't have to like everything we put out. It's just that some people have to like, what you know, whatever we put out, if some people watch it, and it's good enough for them to pay for a subscription, then we're good. That's one strength that they have that, of course, movies don't have, is that, you know, if you don't want to go see the movie, they they don't make the money on it. So, 
you know, in a, in a streaming service and a TV channel service, you know, uh, that's exactly how it works. And so they can afford to be a little more risky. Again, I mean, movie theaters and you know, movie studios are looking for that magic formula to get people into the, you know, into the theaters. And we've talked about this before. Movie theaters now they're revamping themselves and they're, um, you know, putting in uh, you know new seating. And, you know, they're revamping their theaters. Some theaters they're doing these uh, more 3D. They've got the uh, the 3DX uh, theaters that. You know that the seats move and you get sprayed with water and and we'll have and to bring smell. William Castle. Oh yeah, type movies back. Well, yeah, because they're. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the route that they're going. Is that they're kind of getting some of that William Castle type of uh, spirit. Everything's gonna have a gimmick. <laughs> Everything. Yeah, exactly. What uh, you know? What do you have that's going to make somebody get out of their chair, get in their car, buy a ticket, pay ten dollars for a box of popcorn? And and go see a film, you know. When you go see Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you will smell the chocolate. Yeah, certainly so. So, so um, when Watchmen comes out, of course, like I said, we'll get we'll get that one season, and if there's anything after that, I guess we'll find out. So, a few trailers dropped this week. Uh, did you see the new Onward trailer no. for Pixar? Oh, yeah, you get to one. you get to see a little bit more about what goes on in that world. Apparently. The two ogre brothers, their father had died. And when the younger one, of course, voiced by Tom Holland, turned 16, there was a will um, where the father wanted them to have this object for the the two brothers. Of course, Chris Pratt plays the older brother. And it is a wizard's staff, Hmm, which is going to allow them to bring their father back from the dead. Oh... So, no. yeah, uh, I'm like, well, that's that's kind of heavy for a cartoon. So, well, did you see Coco? So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that is very true. That's a whole trip through the the land of the dead. Yeah. So and uh, so they have this. So basically, they have this wizard staff, and they use it to try to 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 bring uh, the father back from the dead. And something goes wrong, and they only get him from the waist down. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to dress up the. T- so they've got a. So the plot of this movie is they've got to figure out how to get the rest of them there, and this they got is, twenty-four hours because this is after, weekend at Bernie's. That's exactly. Some people have actually used that uh-huh. weekend at Bernie's. It's very weekend at Bernie's. So he's like walking around, and they've got they've built up, you know, like a, a hoodie on top of him so that it looks like a, an actual person, but of course he can't talk because he's <laughs> just, you know. So um, and they've got twenty-four hours to figure this all out to get their father back. Long enough to talk to him because the magic is only supposed to work for twenty four hours. So, oh. so it's it's kind of a, like I said, it's kind of a weird premise. Uh-huh. Hey, let's get our dead dad back. But mm-hmm. again, it's a fantasy. So there you go. It's like I said, it's hilarious. So apparently, uh, Tom Holland's character is the one who can use the magic, just not very effectively, obviously, because again, you know, th- this is the world of magic, and the fantasy world has moved on from that, and so. There was a comment. Is like a wizard staff. Why would Dad have? Dad's not a wizard. He was an accountant. <laughs> so, so that that was hilarious. I enjoyed the heck out of that. And of course, they brought. Um, speaking of trailers, we got a, a, a new trailer for season four of Rick and Morty. And I know you haven't watched any Mm-mm. Rick and Morty. No. Um, I've seen the the last three seasons. Of course, I'll have to introduce you to that. Although it's uh, very existential and sometimes nihilistic for a cartoon. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, that's, uh, but, that's Adult Swim all over. So yeah, exactly. But <laughs> Super Jail, oh <laughs> yeah, it's it's is very much down that road. So now that they've gotten a deal where we're not waiting like a year and a half between between seasons, year and a half to two years, that we might actually uh, now that they know that they they're going to be able to produce these more regularly, it's going to be. Interesting to see where they take the story. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that's been going on, and this one scene where uh, Morty turns into this, some sort of monster, which we're familiar with, because bad things always seem to happen to Morty. Just, I mean, that's the problem with hanging out with Rick. You know, when your grandfather is a mad scientist, basically, you're going to get into some serious trouble. And of course, that's been the theme of the last three seasons. But uh, yeah, there's a, a scene where. Um, Obviously, he's deformed, and and uh, Rick's telling him to rub this ointment on him. He says, now, don't use too much of it or or use too little of it, you know. And, of course, uh, he morphs into this winged monster and runs off roaring. And uh, and Rick is like, what did I tell you? And I'm like, what did he do? Use too much of it or use too little of it? Um, hilarious stuff. But I'm definitely looking forward to the season four when it comes out here in about a month or so. I did want to talk a little bit about Joker because I saw that I saw it Sunday, twice. Uh, oh, this wow. is this is going to be the spoiler-free version. There will be uh, on our Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash/GeekWatch. Patreon.com/slash/GeekWatch. Uh, right. We will be talking. You have to say it three times, Brian. Oh, that's yes, right. Yes, it's the rule. It's the. I thought you had to look say it three times looking into a mirror. I just know that whenever I listen to podcasts, they always say it three times. Oh, so um, yes. so to give it the third time. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash GeekWatch. Of course, uh, on Patreon.com slash GeekWatch. Oh, I broke the rule of threes. Uh, broke the rule. Oh, that must be bad it. luck then. That's how we broke the rule of threes. <laughs> uh, I will be doing the, the spoiler version. Uh, Brian ruins the movie. But uh, here's what I will say about, uh, about Joker. It was as artistic as I thought it was going to be. It was as weird as I thought it was going to be. What surprised me was it wasn't nearly as violent as people said it was going to be. Hmm. I mean, when I compare it to, say, Midsummer, when I saw Midsummer this year, mm-hmm. uh, Midsummer was easily more violent. I mean, it's not even comparable. Now, I keep hearing a lot of comparisons to Taxi Driver. Oh, well, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh-huh. you're going to have that you, you have that Taxi Driver uh, vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Of course, King of Comedy and, and of course... Uh, you know, De Niro starred in both those films, and of course, he's he's in this film. Mm-hmm. He plays the uh, the Ed Sullivan kind of Johnny right. Carson, the Johnny character. Carson character, Johnny Carson yes, character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Murray. Yeah, he plays Murray, and uh, this is the kind of movie you don't want spoilers for, unless, of course, you're on Patreon.com/slash Geekwatch and and you want to listen to me spoil the movie. Well, then you can, or you've seen it and want to hear about it, then yeah. But I don't want to really, like I said, I don't want to go into spoilers here. But wow, I, I know a lot of people have been saying Joaquin Phoenix deserves an Oscar, and yeah, I kind of have to say that's the case. Mm. I, I'm, I definitely, I mean, all the acting, all, I mean, all the filmography, I mean, everything about it was amazing as a film. It just one of the ways I described it to somebody. They asked me what did I think about it, and my uh, short, short review was: it feels like getting punched in the junk by a Fabergé egg. That's how I put it. Because it's extremely artful in everything that it does, but what it does is pretty horrible. Mm-hmm. It and make it's not the feel good movie of the summer, no question. It's not, and 
I think one of the reasons why people and specifically, you know, reviewers have said that this movie is more you know, violent. I mean, more violent than it actually was is because it does violence so well that when you get it, I mean, it, it's, it has an impact. It feels real. It feels as real as if, you know, you were you were there. And so it's very effective when it happens. And I think that's one reason why, like I said, a lot of people see it being more violent than maybe in reality that it is. But it's one of those movies, I definitely have to say, it's not, if I were a movie reviewer, it'd be very difficult for me to recommend this movie. I think this this is the type of movie it's like I would recommend it on a case-by-case basis. I would have to do mm-hmm. a, I think I'd have to do a profile on somebody and say, okay, well, maybe you would enjoy this film. Or, And I have to say, Mandy, it, it, I know because I know you haven't seen it <laughs> and you're probably not going to go see probably it. Probably not, no. That's one of those movies. If I had to make a, I know that you appreciate good art, but at the same time, I know you don't like having a bad time. <laughs> I don't know if I would recommend you to see this movie, mm-hmm. to be honest. I, th- I think this would be one of those, oh man, I just feel so miserable leaving it though. And you know, it's definitely a Greek tragedy. And I think for the aspect of catharsis, I think it's a very a cathartic film, but it's one of those films that doesn't have handles with it. It doesn't tell you how to feel. It's not, in a, in a sense, really delivering that much of a message. I, To be honest, I look at it as it's very much like a Rorschach test of a movie. I think a lot of people are projecting things onto this film uh, that aren't there. Or I mean, the film gives you the room to kind of put your own spin on it, I think. So, I mean, a lot of people have said, well, this movie's trying to say this, it's trying to say that, and I think, I think more... It's more likely that that the reviewer or the viewer is projecting that onto the film. So whenever whenever I see somebody, they say, "Well, you know, this is what this film was trying to say." I'm like, "Well, I think I know a little more <laughs> about you than than." <laughs> so uh, if it's if it's a movie that you think you might be interested in seeing, I, I yeah, definitely see it in a fil- uh, see it in a theater. Because sitting in, alone at home in a in a dark room watching it, I, I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> I can remember being back in college and explaining the movie Passion in the Desert uh-huh. to someone. And I was telling them, oh, well, it's about abusive relationships. And, and uh, they they just were very, very confused by that. And But this was, you know... 20 years ago but that's what that reminds me of i guess that was me projecting onto that film and uh so it's like you saw what you, you saw, you what, saw you, what you, you, you wanted yeah. what you wanted to see mm-hmm. i wanted to talk a little bit of uh walking dead news before we get into walking dead it looks like lauren cohen is going to be back for season 11 <gasps> oh yay so you know a shame that her that whiskey cavalier didn't do so well but glad to have her back but of course since she is going to be back for season 11 we know that there's going to be a season 11 Mm -hmm. and so uh but uh yeah that was announced this year's new york comic-con and she came out it was a surprise to everybody and she said yes i'm i'll be back for season 11 and they're like oh that means there's a season 11 yeah yay Uh so oh that's gonna be so cute rj and and little baby herschel running around together that's gonna be adorable yeah (laughs) well that's gonna be the question i guess because we still got to get through season 10 and what happened, you know, we got eight episodes of the first half of season 10. We've just, and we've just seen the first one, mm-hmm. episode one, uh, Lines We Cross. 
And before we get into the spoiler review, and by the way, if you've not seen it yet, pause the podcast now. Go watch get it. it. And go watch it and come mm-hmm. back. Please go watch it because they need you to. Because that's one thing we have to point out is that for a season opener, it didn't do so good. Really? Mm. It did a 4.0 Niel- Nielsen, which is the lowest any episode of The Walking Dead has ever gotten ever. Wow. The pilot didn't do that bad. They've certainly committed to season 11, but I mean, their their ratings are going to have to do better than 4.0. Hmm. It's that, like I said, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we've been talking about issues that they've, that Walking Dead's had for a while. And it, I mean, there's been rumors that Fear the Walking Dead's is, you know, that they're going to make, the, that they're going to cancel that show, that it's not doing so well. I mean, I've been hearing that, but. Of course, you know, everybody likes bad news, and so that may like take that with a grain of salt, but but yeah, that I mean that doesn't I mean it doesn't look good, especially not for an opening episode. So uh, Angela Kang's got some work ahead of her for sure, but uh, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed. But let's talk about the episode itself. Okay. Uh, lots of interesting things happen. Oh yeah. You know, it's like uh, I you know, as far I mean there was there was a lot, you know, uh they, I think they caught us up very well, and yeah, and this it's been our whole universe that we've had coincidence, you know, as right. much as a as a yeah, yeah. Dickens novel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, basically, uh, this season, their uh, a plot just dropped right out of the sky. Literally, Literally. <laughs> we have a Russian satellite that that uh, crashes into the uh, forest near uh, near Oceanside mm-hmm. and starts a forest fire, right. which puts them in a bad situation because, of course, it's on uh, Alpha's side of the of the uh, property line, but they know they're not going to be able to, they're not going to put this fire out, and if this fire could burn down Oceanside, so they have to. Of course, at the beginning, we also see them training against zombies because they're preparing. Yeah, they have absolutely become Sun Tzu. Yeah, uh, it was it was beautiful to watch, and oh, yeah. I mean, it's like every perfect military execution ever done. I mean, you know, shields up, archers down, back, reload. It was it was gorgeous to watch. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's they basically were doing a Roman phalanx, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, you could tell they're preparing for whatever you know for whatever's coming. Mm-hmm. Although they are trying to uh, you know trying to live peacefully with the whispers and. and uh, I mean, even after everything that they've gone through, they're not looking for another fight. And, uh, of course, it's gotten to the point now where Carol's gone out to sea. She became a pirate. She became a pirate, <laughs> yes. And, uh, of course, her and Daryl are just thinking about leaving. They're ready to hop hop off and leave. And, of course, we get, a, we get uh, Michonne for a little bit because one thing that we do know for this season is you're not going to see a lot of her. They're going to basically Rick Grimes her where she's just going to appear here and there. But, of course, she appears long enough to to tell her son, you know, I'd give my life for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I don't necessarily want to hear that. Yep. And Judith is there telling him, you know, uh, the brave man did this. Yeah. It's because he loves you. So RJ's already, you know, we're preparing him. Yeah. You know, for what's inevitable, and, and that is heartbreaking. But it was such a beautiful scene, and it was beautifully acted between yeah. these two kid actors. They were amazing, and I teared up watching it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think, you know, Michonne probably had to reach very far to pull those tears out. That It was it was beautiful, well, and you know, did when a good she, job. Yeah, when she announced that uh, at San Diego Comic-Con she was leaving, I mean, there was real te- tears mm-hmm. there for sure. 
again, it's like, especially with the show's kind of struggling right now. I mean, we're losing another great character. That's going to that's gonna be hard. And, yeah, and it looks like they're, it's as if they're trying to force characters onto us because of that. That's what I feel like. Uh, because all of a sudden we've got the doctor with PTSD. And all of a sudden we've got the yeah. doctor with a god complex. And like they kind of shoved it down your throat. Like, right. like this guy's like this, this guy's like this. We didn't really see much development. They just told us exposition. Yeah. Well, I this mean, is what's going on. Yeah, and- so, I mean, Sadig, it makes sense that he's got PTSD. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's been a few months since we've seen the show. But yeah, he went through... He went through a, a he good watched, por- yeah, he, some really horrible stuff, and right. I can see that. Yeah, the other doctor, though, it's just yeah, the, it's kind of weird. Very weird, very awkward. It, it was, yeah, it just uh, was not. Yeah, I mean, he's he's like the creepy gay guy. And it's like. Self-important. So, and, self-important. It's like, and not saying that gay people are creepy, but, you know, because, I mean, how many, you know, how many characters, gay characters that they had on that show that aren't? Mm-hmm. It was just a weird choice to make it to do that mm-hmm. with that character. I, I don't know necessarily. Yeah, the gay isn't making him creepy. The creepy's making him yeah, creepy. He's, he's yeah, he, uh, exactly. He he exactly. feels like he's got this power over human life, and I kind of feel like well, he might even have like that kind of governor. Yeah, governor like to that's him. A good, that's yeah. a good description. I think. Well, I mean, he, he makes. I mean, his his actual quoted statement is, "We're like gods in the apocalypse." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he said to him, "You're a god," uh, as he was leaving, or uh, so, something like that. Something like "You're a god," as as he was walking out of the room. Yeah. Uh, as you know, this man who's struggling with flashbacks and nightmares, trying to take care of his daughter, and yeah. So they're they're pushing a lot of new characterization right on top of us without allowing it to develop. You know, I see that as trying to give us give us new characters and kind of been hearing about a new uh, a new whisperer and like causing gamma. yeah gamma causing di- divide in the ranks. We haven't seen her. We've just heard about her. So I'm anxious to see what they do with her and see if they kind of do the same thing. Yeah. That that's going to be an interesting question. Also, mm-hmm. that that's the thing. I mean, obviously they're trying to they're trying to bring in more characters because they're losing characters. But again, and you make a really good point about you know they're really piling on a lot of stuff on on, on the you know on new characters right off the bat. Well, like but, the, the deaf sisters, you know. We know that the one is losing her hearing worse now, but we've watched that through the last year. Right. We've watched that happen. You know, they didn't, you know, push that on us right to beginning. Oh, she's losing her hearing, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, they allow that to develop. So I care a lot more about her losing her hearing and her having that fear than I do about this crazy guy who thinks he's a god, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, again, you know, it's, and this is, you know, this is from literature, you know. Uh, in a book or a story, they would refer to this as info dumping, where you're giving mm-hmm. all the information right up front, which is usually not a good idea. I mm-hmm. mean, in a story, you don't give people information. You make them want to know it, and then mm-hmm. you make them wait for it. And so that that particular character, like I said, if you feel like you got everything you need to know about this character in that little three to four minute vignette. And right. they there's some of that they should have definitely held back. Especially the part that he's a bit of a creeper, you know. Let that kind of develop. Instead, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they made it so they made him so creepy in one. I mean, it's like we need to make sure that you understand that this is a creepy guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't don't make this guy say I'm a god. Show me, show show me him killing someone that he thinks is suffering. 
you know, then I know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know what he's capable of. Don't tell me what he's capable of. Show me. Yeah. But, no, yeah. But, you know, that's just my thing. You know, maybe some people do like that sort of exposition up front. Well, but. the thing about it, too, is that, I mean, he's basically telling you what he is and who he is right off the bat. And usually in writing, people, when they're talking, are very rarely telling the truth about themselves. Mm-hmm. Because uh, in screenwriting, if somebody is saying exactly what they're feeling inside, and they're expressing it in words it's known as on the nose. And your dialogue should never be on the nose. They should be saying one thing but thinking the other. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like I said, this guy was, I mean, that whole scene was really, really on the nose. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think in that situation why it doesn't really work that well. But that's not saying that uh, nothing worked in that uh, episode. In fact, oh, one no. thing... One thing that uh, we've been waiting, I know you and I have been waiting for for a long time, is at the end of the, the end of the <laughs> episode, we got that standoff we've been waiting for, mm-hmm. Carol and Alpha. Well, you know, it's just it's just the looks, you know, right now, and that so much saying in the eyes, and yeah. what is about, you know, that the satellite crashing, the force fire has nothing on what is about to happen between these two women. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, what's well, about that? The explosion that's about to happen is going to make. You know, a space station falling from the sky look like well. Nothing. You know, we've been saying for a, for a while now uh, that you know Alpha is the anti Carol for sure, mm-hmm. and to say well, this is what would happen to Carol. You know, in a, in a different situation. Although, I mean, Carol is, you know, she doesn't put up with a whole lot, and she she can do some she can do some messed up stuff, and she's done some messed up mm-hmm. stuff when she's had to, and so those are two characters. You're like, well, what would happen? You want to know. And, and they real and they, like I said, they really teased that off. They re- mm-hmm. they really, uh, and especially since they're both in the same situation, they're both in a situation where the other side has taken a child from them. Mm-hmm. You know, Alpha lost her lost her daughter, and Carol lost you know her adopted son. Right. So again, they're they're basically set up two different. They're two sides of the same coin, and we're all we've all been asking since Alpha showed up, and we've seen what kind of person she is. You know, what's going to happen when she and Carol meet up? Well, they're like, well, you're going to find out. Yep. And I can't wait. To, I can't wait when that blows off. But for this first half, we've got eight episodes and that'll end. Uh, the last one will be uh, November the 24th. Mm-hmm. And so we've we still got a few weeks left of it. And like I said, they've got we're not going to see a whole lot of Michonne in these episodes. But of course, they're going to be working on her departure. Yeah. So, you know, as the weeks go on, we'll, we will definitely discuss uh, what we see and uh, give our opinions of it. And let's see how they can, uh, what kind of, uh, of a uh, cliffhanger they can leave us uh, in November. So, and so with that said, we come to the end of episode uh, 86 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the Geek Watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.